Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Life matters, it's strange in the sound of my people and what's sadder. 
All right, beautiful people. This is Nube Brown, your host of Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. We are going to get started with our show. We are going to hear from a couple of brothers on the inside, Emwalimu Shakur and Obra Felimo. And we are also, or I am going to be reading with all of you, uh, to all of you, um, some letters also that we have received. I want to give you a heads up that Prison Focus, the publication that comes out of California Prison Focus, has just published um, and released their latest issue, number 62. So I want you to check that out by going to prisons.org, www.prisons.org. And um, and I also just want to thank all of you for being here. Thank you for tuning in, for listening in. And for all of uh, those, um, our beautiful community members, stay strong. If you can hear us behind the walls at San Quentin, we love you. We are here for you. If you are in solitary confinement, um, apparently that may be one of the only ways you can hear this, this show. I'll have to check into that. But again, know that we hear you. We love you all of you behind the walls, as well as your family members. We um, are here for you. We hope you are being able to listen to this and do not despair. Please stay up, stay strong. We are emboldened and inspired and encouraged by all of you, the amazing work that you are doing inside, um, and know that you have allies uh, out here that um, are doing the same. You will not be forgotten, um, um, and you will not be silenced. And it is our mission to be acting in shared humanity and solidarity with you uh, to help get you free. All right, uh, here we go. Let's get started with the show. Last day, the last show of January. Here is my latest call from Emily Shakur out of Corcoran, California. Hey. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, you know, nothing's changed. Just still fighting the same old frame, you know, trying to uh, push the issue for them to give us our GTO tablets, which they're now saying that they have a deadline of November this year, which makes no sense. You know, it's to the point where they keep doing what they want and want you to accept it. And when you let little things slide, they want to keep going. So we've already came to the decision where we're going to just keep pushing paperwork and not do no more negotiating. Before we push paperwork, we negotiate, and you know they brush us off. So when we push paperwork and we start winning, they start retaliating, and we start accepting the retaliations, you know, even though it was petty, you know. But we kept pushing it. Okay, well now Sacramento is complaining to them about why they're not doing what they're supposed to do because we're not we're not uh, stopping the paperwork, you know, we're not. And we're pushing it straight to Sacramento because now we don't have the three levels, we just have the two. So you go one, uh, uh, first level, sorry, comes talk to you. Second level, you go straight to Sacramento. You know what I mean? So they took away the group 602s. So we've been flooding Sacramento that way based on that. And, you know, they're not liking it, of course, but we're not, uh, not going to back down, you know, because it's, it's starting to get, you know, it's starting to get unnecessary with the way they do things. And, you know, we've won. You know, we won the fact now they got to get vaccinated. You know, they can't keep calling sick. So they got to run the program every day, even if it's just the one section uh, of day room and yard twice a week, they still got to run it, you know. So we're, we're in, we're in, uh, in our fighting spirits is up and we're continuing to uh, 
push for what we got coming. Okay, so there's still a fight with the, well, first of all, it's good to hear from you, but really they are, so so you guys had to fight with them around the guards being vaccinated or people getting testing. Well, what, yeah, what's, will you talk about more about what's happening with that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going on, but you know, a lot of, a lot of us aren't getting sick, you know, um, not on my yard, on a few of the other yards, we've had, we've had people test positive, but nobody's getting sick. So I could say that with the people that have tested positive and they're still moving people around when they, when they test positive to another yard where they have availability space to house you for 14 days at least. Mm-hmm. And if it's more than five people in a building, they'll quarantine that whole building to where that building can't come out to the yard at all. They can't go to work. They can't do nothing. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah, those things are still going on. Right. That hasn't changed. But what they do when they do things like that is mm-hmm. now they don't want to bring canteen to the building exactly. or bring the packages mm-hmm. to the building, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Don't want to let you go to visit. You know, so that's why we've had to challenge things. You know, we have to keep, you know, challenging those types of things because they want to seize it as now we can take advantage and not do nothing. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. We have to, we have to quarantine people. Uh, we can't run the full program like they want, but now we don't have to do these other things. And the other little things are what we're trying to stop them from doing. So we've got one of the one of the officers removed from his, his post of passing out packages because people are ordering stuff that we can have, and he's being deliberately saying, no, you can't have this. Uh-huh, exactly. You know, just out of spite. Yeah, you know, and then you're not getting your removed. programming, and it's is and so do you feel like you're your parole is being affected? Oh, also, just, just, your, just you're just trying to get through prison just trying to get through your time is being is being challenged what we did though we filed a complaint saying that you know officers you know mainly the ones who are members of the cctoa mm-hmm. are the ones not mm-hmm. wanting to come to work and have been vaccinated mm-hmm. and keep calling sick mm-hmm. you know and the complaint stated that they you know they're doing this deliberately because they're the ones spreading the virus when they come to work so now they're challenging the fact that we filed on that part when it first initiated, you know, with us catching it. Right. So we won the complaint, and now a lot of them have to get vaccinated before they come to work. They can't keep calling it sick. So for the last couple of weeks, they've been coming to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can I ask and, you some... You know what it... Huh? Oh, sorry. I was I was interrupting again. Go ahead. No, no. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to ask you, because one of the things that we've been hearing out here is that... Uh, you know, the CDCR is getting um, like COVID, re- still they're getting COVID relief funding for people that are testing positive. Are you able to see your test results? So they just, you just have to accept what they tell you. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. We get a paper saying that our latest test was either positive or negative. That's what we get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the only ones that are getting tested are people like, for instance, when I go out to the hospital, okay? Um, that's because I left this institution, so I got I got to get tested when I come back. You know what I mean? People that might go out to court. Um, people that are at work around free staff people. You know what I mean? Like people that come in from the streets, not, CCO, not, not COs or nothing. You know what I mean? So, you know, you see that paper because it comes in the mail. Everybody gets one after they've been tested. You know what I mean? And, but like I said, what you're saying could very well be true because they're saying people are testing positive, but nobody's getting sick. So it's like, wait a minute. 
we remember how people were getting sick when this thing first happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We've seen people getting sick. Mm -hmm. Some people who've had it are still around. You know what I mean? So we know what the effects are like. How is people testing positive and not getting sick? Uh And that's the part we don't understand. So, yeah, what you're saying very well can be happening. I mean, we've already suspected it, and this made us write the complaint anyway. You know what I mean? Because we seemed, we felt like what they're doing is trying to stop us from having a program. They don't want to program us. So you don't want to come to work, and you'd rather get sick leave time. That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Because the program you run is not really a a, a problematic program. I mean, we haven't had our self-help groups here since this COVID stuff happened, and they've only paroled like three people that I know of who went to the board. Everybody else is going to the board and getting denials. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. When people at this time, really at this time, should be getting out. So they're they're basically still using the COVID to just keep people inside. And it's also, and it's damaging people's parole. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure... Unfortunately, that that's still happening. That's got a way on you. How are you doing? I mean, I know you're strong. And oh, I'm doing really, okay. this is a lot. And how are you feeling? How are you seeing um, some of the other, you know, brothers inside? How are they? How are they doing? Oh well, I mean, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm always straight. You know, I don't pay attention. I don't. I don't let nothing bother me. Um, I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, the, the the mentality in here is still about the same. Stable people continue to do what they do, asserting their self in you know productive ways to stay positive, uh, keeping their hopes up. More concerned about their loved ones out there, and you know, uh, we're glad we have these video visits because at least we can see our loved ones as as often as they have time. You know what I mean? Um, still, we're still able to take pictures. Uh, like I said, and everything else, we're just dealing with it. We're pretty much used to it, you know. And the main thing right now is trying to get these tablets sooner, you know, because they keep prolonging it. And by them doing the program like this, for those who can't go to school or don't have a job, a tablet helps them stay connected with their, their loved ones because with the tablet you can use the phone all the time and you can email and text your people, plus your people can send you pictures. You know what I mean? So that's what we're, that's the latest thing we're trying to push. You guys have been working on trying to get tablets for like three years now. Yeah, because, we, you know, they, they were, they're passing them out to everybody, but it's like you're skipping us for some reason. But they're here already. They just haven't given them to us. Who's they're the saying, us? Well, we don't have the... Who's the, the They're us? in the warehouse somewhere. Okay, but who's us you know? that they're skipping? Uh, Corcoran us, or the Corcoran New Africans? Prison. Say that again? Sorry, is it is it Corcoran that uh, they're Corcoran. missing, or is it or is it the New Africans that they're missing? No, Corcoran. Corporate state prison as oh, a whole. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Huh. Yeah, corporate state prison as a whole. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, they're skipping this prison for some reason, and they're here, they're in the warehouse. Now they're saying they don't have the Wi-Fi connection, uh, which makes no sense. Right. You know what I mean? That's a lie. Right. It's, it's always an excuse. You know, it's like it's like most people know bull when they hear it. Mm-hmm. And for us who are conscious, you know, and, and been in political fights for years, our education is not elementary. You know, our education is advanced. So don't bully me, man. Tell me straight up what time it is. Absolutely. If you bully me, I'm going I'm to do the right thing that I need to do to challenge that bully. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where they're, you know, that's where they're, they're getting upset because since we've been out the shoe, we've been doing our best to build liberation schools and transform the culture in prison. And it's harder for some of the elder comrades. They don't have a lot of patience dealing with these youngsters. I got more patience because I wasn't gone that long. Plus... I was getting out and still being back in society. And being around them, 
it's like looking at my kids. For the elders, it's like looking at their grandkids and great-grandkids, so they don't have a lot of patience. I got more patience, you know, and it's working It's working the way I do it because I'm not as, as harsh and as strong as elders were with me because the time was harder back then. The time is a lot more easier now. Mm-hmm. So I'm a lot more patient, a lot more smoother, a lot more softer, but... You know, when I do like get harsh, you know, all I do is stand firm and, and let them know I'm serious with this and they, this ain't no game and they get it right. You know, but like I said, it's easier for me. So now a lot of them are proactive and, and stepping up to the plate and they're following the 602s. You know, wanting to read the law books, wanting to educate themselves more in a legal, legal manner. You know what I mean? And, and, and they see their purpose and they're feeling good about that purpose because it gives them meaning as well as hope. You know, change is always coming here and there, you know, but I, I remain hopeful that a lot more positive changes will come, you know, and as long as I can set that in stone in here, when I parole, I can parole with a smile on my face, not just because I'm out, but because I know I did my job. Okay, I love that. All right, so so you're feeling pretty good about where you are and where things stand for you. Are y'all going to do anything for, uh, for Black History Month? As far as Black History goes, yeah, we'll probably read and and study some things, dialogue about some things, uh, talk about how, you know, it was first Black History Week when it was birthed and how it developed into a month. And then we'll, you know, talk about how, of course, the 1% class, the colonizers, look at it as they accept it because it's one of the shortest months in the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they give you a vague history of Black History. And we know now that our history is rich in content and, uh, you know, we'll probably discuss things like that. Um, as far as the family front, you know, I haven't, I, I've talked to some of my kids, well, two of my daughters. You have 60 seconds remaining. Oh my, God. Oh. my family's always okay. My, my focus is on uh, my legal case, you know, that I'm ready, almost ready to get to court with to fight that. And uh, This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You know, continue to build and work with loved ones out there and the outside, uh, doing podcasts coming up with programs to keep pushing out there for the community to uh, establish and things of that nature, you know. All right, beautiful. Um, well, I'm just going to send you lots of love because they're, they're, they're cutting us off. It's amazing how quickly time goes by, but sending you lots of love. Just stay up and stay strong, brother. You're amazing. Yeah, send you my love too, sis. I'll call again. Take care. You know you're always in my thoughts and prayers and keep doing the good work you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you soon. All my love.
we are listening to Sweet Justice by Jill Scott. Now a poem by Rashad L. And he is out of Jefferson City, Missouri. This is a poem called American Negro. What am I? One of this country's first creations. My hard work is what birthed this nation. It was formed from the tears, blood, and sweat of people considered less than equal. And throughout the years, we've continued to experience how it feels, but its chronology dates back to when we were considered property and sick debauchery, left our women stripped of modesty. And freedom only came to those willing to risk the odyssey. Our history was stolen. The government wanted to commit a robbery, then create an illusion without trick photography that caused us to hate ourselves. This Willie Lynch psychology was first ingrained during slavery. They made me. And after all this time, the curse remains because back then we were restrained from birth with chains and the worst of names and racial slurs were heard exclaimed by Massa with a smirk of shame reverberated through the devastated families that got separated as they saw those who could do the most work exchanged for cash. We were treated like dirt, then trained to pass on the oppression. They hoped the self-bondage would halt our progression as they created a new plantation department, then called it corrections. And towards my own race is where I focus all this aggression, painting an ugly picture through the art of expression. I'm selfish. I don't want unity, just a lot of possessions. But if we kept our money in the community, it would probably cause a recession. So... I'd rather spend mass amounts on designer names that I can't pronounce while they laugh and count the cash I spend and the projects were no accident. The object was to trap us in with everyone trying to push weight like they're at the gym, peddling crack to thin dope fiends, my trigger fingers itching. So please don't lean on or scratch my bends. I'm strapped so I won't get jacked again. I'll clap whoever tries to snatch my rims because I hate my dark complexion, but can't detach my skin. So I'll just take it out on anybody who's considered black because then they can repeat the cycle. And hopefully your kids can be just like you and reach for rifles instead of books and backpacks. I'm a disease that has successfully infected a nation. And after a few tweaks and test innovations, I'll cook a fat batch, then pass that to the next generation of crooks who blast gats. And the streets are cold. The slums are vicious. I love getting the youth to become addicted to things that provide pain and their collective mind frame should be hooked to laugh tracks because their self-hatred makes them throw everything that should be held sacred, throw away everything that should be held sacred. I mean, let's face it, with pops locked away and mama working two jobs to pay rent the child's mind's left naked so I recruited TV along with movies and their favorite type of music to help make this mentality because once you dissect the core of something you can begin to break its anatomy and some might say it's a tragedy but I say I'm the best thing the U.S. has ever made even better than Chevrolet's what am I the American Negro. All right, I am going to read a very interesting a story uh, that comes out of Alabama by a man named Professor Michael D. Williams, also known as Professor. Uh, he is out of Bessemer, Alabama, and 
Uh, he has a an unfortunately familiar story in the sense that whenever um, black people, uh, you know, start a business or you know have some level of success, they're either you know they're kind of a one of a kind or uh, you know they're this is not something that the colonial capitalist imperialist oppressor wants for black people they don't they don't honor their success and and look at it as um you know desire to push us to help push us forward forward and and allow us to have the same access to resources and um to to make for us to thrive and for us to be successful it's something that we have to create for ourselves uh which makes us quite remarkable um, but oftentimes what we're met with is a way to shut that down. So this is, uh, again, a man out of Alabama who is now in prison. And it sounds, I think he might have, he's now in for a, a, quite a long time. Uh, but um, he had a business at first. Um, so I am going to uh, kind, of, kind of weave in and out. I'm going to... Um, give you a synopsis that he sent over about his true story, and then we'll get into a little bit more of the details. Again, this is from Professor Michael D. Williams, also known as Professor out of Bessemer, Alabama. He is in the William E. Donaldson Correctional Facility. And this story was given to us, I believe, in November. No, sorry, February of last year because he wanted it for Black History Month. I don't think that we got it into, when I say we, I, I don't think it got into California Prison Focus or San Francisco Baby National Black Newspaper. Here we go. This is a true story, and it starts with a quote by him. The good old state of Alabama where some things never change. Within the 21st century, simply because my skin is black, no one in the state of Alabama has accomplished, achieved, nor contributed more than I, and remain more unknown and more persecuted than I within the state of Alabama. Here's an example. Number one, I made history within the state of Alabama. Number two, I pioneered an industry within the state of Alabama. Three, I created a market with a projection value of several hundred million, several hundred billion dollars within the state of Alabama. Four, I opened up an entirely new area of thought, research, development, and business within the state of Alabama. Five, I created opportunity for new jobs, new small businesses, new small business owners, new tax revenue for all levels of government, i.e. federal, state, county, city, etc. New protection for the environment, new stimulation for the economy within the state of Alabama. Five, six, I designed and developed a sweat equity program that gave franchises away, absolutely free to the public, giving all Alabamians the chance and opportunity of achieving the great American dream by way of owning their own businesses within the state of Alabama. Seven, I provided all services free to all military veterans, walking away from millions of dollars within the state of Alabama. Eight, I owned and operated the fastest growing small business within the state of Alabama. Note, this may also include each and every southern city and state in America, a first for any African-American within the history of the United States. Do you know who I am? No, you do not. Why? Simply because my skin is black within the state of Alabama. Here's a synopsis of my uh, curriculum vitae with documents in support of and to substantiate my accreditations. Making history. 
I am the first African-American and first person to pioneer the waterless auto detailing industry within the state of Alabama. You can see the documents from the state of Alabama Departments of Archives and History and the mobile public library Department of History and Genealogy attached here too. Creating a market with a projected value of several hundred billion dollars by way of me successfully integrating um, or integrating my waterless systems into the largest parking systems of the largest city, Birmingham, found in the state of Alabama. You can see the newspaper articles, which I will be reading from. I am called professor due to I am a self-taught professor of industry and market development and growth. I am also the leading authority found in the entire state of Alabama relating to its multi-billion dollar waterless auto detailing industry and market. In conclusion, since Alabama first became a state in 1819, over 200 years ago, and especially since post-slavery 1863, over 150 years ago, I am the first and only African-American to pioneer, create, and gain a monopoly of a multi-billion dollar industry and market in the Deep South. This is to include each and every southern city-state in America, making me a history maker, groundbreaker, race barrier breaker. And if projected figures are rightfully taken into account, it would also make me a self-made multi-billionaire and rich, the richest man within the entire state of Alabama. But because this is the state of Alabama and my skin is black, I am just one of many unknown African-Americans confined upon a modern-day slave plantation within the state of Alabama for a crime that has never even occurred. Again, the good old state of Alabama where some things never change. Okay. Uh, we are going to read now out of In Focus. This is a, uh, a section of the Birmingham News. Life through the lenses of Birmingham news photographers. This is an article called Making Cars More Beautiful. And there's a picture of Michael Williams of Tootsville washing a car without water in a downtown parking deck. He is the owner of Birmingham's first waterless car wash business. Michael Williams, owner of the Titusville Waterless Car Wash, is a self-described autologist, which he says is a person who specializes in the beautification of cars. Quote, kind of like a cosmetologist makes people beautiful, I do the same thing with cars, he said recently while beautifying cars downtown. During the week, Williams can be found washing cars on downtown streets, parking lots, and decks with his car full with his cart full of auto detailing tools nearby. He uses a waterless system he has first developed over 20 years ago when washing cars in the French Quarter. A car battery carried on his cart powers his vacuum, high-speed buffer, and lights to work at night when needed, allowing him to do everything that a regular car wash can do anywhere he can get his cart. Quote, it saves water, it saves energy, and it makes jobs. It also saves you money. Because it lasts longer than a regular car wash, he said. Even though Williams only received his business license about three weeks ago, and this is on February 19th, 2012, he said, uh, oh, sorry, um, business has taken off so, even though Williams only received his business license about three weeks ago, uh, business has taken off so fast that he is already considering adding new carts and workers. This is going to be one. This is going to be big one day, and this is how it all started right here. He said, as his reflection became visible, while he meticulously washed dirt off a car, leaving behind a shiny waxed surface. 
And then um, let me read you a couple of the, uh, the um, some of the, the official uh, pieces of uh, the official documents that were sent out of the um, the Department of Planning, Engineering, and Permits uh, from the City of Birmingham. To whom it may concern, from Chief Doug Wisham, MPG Inspector, subject waterless car wash. Uh, by this car wash being waterless, there is no need for a drainage system, sand interceptor, backflow prevention, nor any of the requirements of a car wash requiring water supply to be enforced by this department, uh, uh, which is the Department of Plumbing, Mechanical, and Gas. Doug Wisham, Chief MPG Inspector. Um, so there you have it. Okay, talk about ecological. And then another from the state of Alabama Department of Archives and History. This came in um, 2020. Dear Mr. Williams, I did a brief search of our collections and could find no references to anyone previously using a waterless automobile detailing and cleaning process in the state of Alabama. Well done on pioneering this technique here. We decided to add your newspaper article to our public information subject files so that future researchers looking into this topic can now learn about your contribution to the industry. I wish you the best. Sincerely, Ronald S. McDonald. Oh my God. I can see these people just kind of watering at the mouth. They don't know anything to do except co-opt and extract, take, steal things from black people, men, then making it their own and wiping us out of the history of many of the things, most of the things that we have invented. Um, we are the master builders, and um, and so all of these old, uh, you know, homes that you see uh, built by black people. Okay, master builders, master mathematicians, we are mathematicians, master builders, master gardeners, master um, farmers. We are the masters of everything that you see here and is started by us and of the indigenous peoples. Okay, here's another um, article out of Streets. This is the Birmingham News and this is the business section called Street Scenes Paying for the Car Wash. Business owner hopes the community will help him make his wish come true. Free car washes for veterans. This is written by Mike Oliver. This is in uh, 2012, December of 2012. It could have been a car washing, car making business for small business entrepreneur Michael Williams when Veterans Affairs Medical Center on November 1st switched to its patient parking to a Birmingham parking authority deck on 4th Avenue North, more than 400 additional cars a day began flowing into Williams Car Washing Service area. Williams Company Corporate America Car Wash has an agreement with the City of Birmingham to offer its waterless car washing services in 12 Birmingham Parking Authority parking garages and lots. But when Williams arrived to check out his potential business boom, he saw long lines of military veterans, some hobbled by war injuries on canes, walkers, and in wheelchairs. They need some help, Williams 54 said with emotion. I can't charge them. I wouldn't even have a car wash if it wasn't for people like that. They went to war and everything, and then I'm going to turn around and charge them? Instead, Williams wants to give the veterans free car washes and is calling on the business community to pitch in and pay for supplies. I don't want them to have to pay for a car wash, said Williams. If we could get businesses to pitch in to help with supplies, I'll make sure we, we get some cars washed for free. The parking deck on 4th Avenue North and 22nd Street was fairly empty until the VA Medical Center had to switch parking decks recently after losing acquired space with Children's of Alabama Hospital. Hundreds of veterans, I'm sure there's plenty of space. 
to have both things happening. Hundreds of veterans now park in the 4th Avenue deck every day and take a shuttle to the VA Medical Center on Southside. Williams began washing cars decades ago in Titusville and calls himself an autotologist. In about, 20, in about 2001, he moved to New Orleans, where he began washing tourist cars parked in the French Quarter. Water couldn't be used in most cases, so Williams developed a waterless system that used a secret formula spraying cleaner that looks every bit like orange juice. <laughs> That's the best cleaner there is, said Alejandro Harris. 43, a corporate America car wash employee, it works especially well in rainy season weather. When Hurricane Katrina hit, Williams' French Quarter business dried up, so he moved back to Titusville. Then last year, he moved to downtown Birmingham, where he's been offering car washing services to attorneys, bankers, government employees, and other workers in parking lots and debts. He employs six people, but said he is looking for dozens more everywhere who will... Uh, who are willing to be trained and work on commissions at first and work on commission at first. After 90 days with proven track records for generating business, the employees are then paid 50 to $90 a day plus tips, Williams said. He specialized his specialized car washing service range from services range from 25 for a basic car wash to 220 for a full detail and wax of a large SUV, truck or van. He's racked up testimonials for his good work. I've heard nothing but wonderful comments around the office about how impressed people are with their vehicles. Um, Ashley Penton, human, right, human resources coordinator at Lightfoot Franklin White Law Firm, wrote in a letter to Williams, You have provided a wonderful service with great prices. It is such a convenience for you to clean on site. Now Williams hopes he can rally the downtown business community to help clean him clean the cars of some veterans. They already paid, Williams said. They paid with their limbs. They paid with their lives. Williams said he welcomes ideas on how to get free car washes rolling to contact him about helping. And then he leaves his phone number, which, of course, is no longer um, valid because of this situation. Here is the note. The reason I am now in prison is explained here. There was a pro okay, but first there was a protest being held. In the context of this protest, this protest was held during the week of the 50th anniversary of the civil rights movement, held in downtown Birmingham, just a mere two to three blocks away. Everyone was watching the unveiling of the statue honoring the four little black girls who were murdered by the KKK as a result of the KKK bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church. While everyone was celebrating, I was standing alone in peaceful protest against the removal of the historic landmark of Dr. A.G. Gascon's sidewalk star. It wasn't a rumor, as the Birmingham newspaper alleged. No, they had cut a big X in the tip of the star, uh, planning to remove the star. I stopped them. I, it was called a rumor in order to protect the rich and the powerful white men who didn't want the star of a black man in front of the building they had bought. Exactly 15 days later, on October 2nd, 2013, the city of Birmingham, etc., totally and completely destroyed my company and all I had built. Then, six months later, I was confined to a prison caged like an animal in the state of Alabama with a 20-year prison sentence for a crime I've never committed. 
done in retaliation for stopping them from removing the star, as well as to get me out of the way so they could move over and, and take control of the multi-billion dollar industry and market that I had pioneered and created there in Birmingham, the largest parking systems, in Birmingham's largest parking systems. And we know that that kind of story has taken place throughout the history of this country because when black people are able to overcome the incredible obstacles that are constantly putting, being put in our place to uh, be self-determined, that's what happens. Uh, lies, corruption, deceit, and, um, and degrading uh, practices and traumatizing practices and vicious Violence is uh, perpetrated upon us to um, wipe out um, any semblance of uh, what we have, what we have done, and what we have accomplished. And so, um, there you have it. Again, that is a story, a, a only brief synopsis of Professor Michael D. Williams, who now is still in prison in Bessemer, Alabama. Welcome to Black History Month. All right, this is from a brother out of Wasco, California, at the Wasco State Prison. His name is Brian Keith Barnett. And we are going to read a letter from him that came to us uh, uh, in November of 2021. Quis custodiet ispos custodes. He put that on the front of his envelope. And this is, uh, the title of this is Law Enforcement Dereliction of Duty is a Public Welfare Offense. Dear Editor, being a conscious prisoner, I have noticed that law enforcement tends to be quick in claiming that the people are doing something that poses a threat to the safety of the community with the lock them up mentality. Yet I ask, are not law enforcement placing the public at risk by refusing to go to work and calling in sick when they are not factually sick? And unlike the ordinary people, public employees do not have to explain their absence from work? Public servants enjoy quite a bit of privileges that ordinary people do not get. For example, there are many public servants who have not taken public health seriously by taking the position that they should not have to be vac vaccinated in order to help protect the public and themselves from contracting COVID-19, which will remove them from performing their duty for the people, yet they will still receive their wages. Why are these overly well-compensated public servants not held to the same standards as the military and medical professionals and those ordinary people who work in the service industry? These, publics, these public um, officials should be stripped of their employment, in my opinion, since these are the ones who are supposed to take the risks in order to maintain the public's well-being. Those of us confined behind enemy lines are subjected to being exposed to everything that correctional employees bring into these prisons. And if we want to maintain our health and safety, we must take any risk and get vac vaccinated. And those who refuse to obtain such do so at their own detriment. Yet those of us prisoners who get the vaccination are still denied programs, either because a prisoner becomes infected from a correctional employee who has refused to be vaccinated. I always believed that public employees should be held to a higher standard of accountability since the state indemnifies such employees, even when they, are derelict, when they derelict their employee obligations that they are well compensated for and that was agreed upon when they were hired. The people are not sheltered with qualified immunity as public employees, yet that immunity has its far-reaching effects, which in part emboldens public employees' in insolence and presumed privilege against being held accountable. 
Public employees have an inherent responsibility to the people whose tax dollars protect them, even when such employees have been found to have committed misconduct that ordinary people would be subject to losing everything that they own. I personally believe that when public servants refuse to be vaccinated, such is a public welfare offense that also encompasses moral delinquency because it places the best interests of the community at risk by the failure to be present to perform the duties of their chosen profession. I further believe that such should be an offense against the public justice and authority because it results in the negligence that results in insufficient staff being present on the job, which accumulates in divisible offenses allowed, which grow into assorted occupational crimes. What would happen if the military refused to perform their duty when called upon in emergencies? Such would be considered treason or other high crimes, offensive to the public morality, malumense, Public employees do not have any problems at gorging on the golden dime of taxpayer resources which compensate those who have taken the oath and oath of service but refuse to embrace the responsibility. When one decides to take on the responsibility of being a public servant, that responsibility is not selective. Such encompasses all necessity in view of the far-reaching compensation that the public resources provided those privileged individuals. In continuous struggle, Mr. John Q. Convict also known as Brian K. Barnett. And he is at the Wasco State Prison. His number is AS7182, facility A3112, 701 Schofield Avenue, P.O. Box 8800, Wasco, California, 93280. All right, we are going to finish up with a phone call that I received from Oba Frelimo, who is in Folsom State Prison. Since it has been a little while, I'd love for you to introduce yourself again, let people know just who you are, you know, talk about being from San Francisco and all that, and then get into what's taking place. Okay. Um, first and foremost, assalamu alaikum. I'd like to say I send my respects out there to the San Francisco community. My name is uh, Oberlee Perlimo, born and raised in San Francisco, the Fillmore District, the Western Edition. Um, I've been locked up since the age of 14 years old. I caught a case out there a long time ago for a high-speed chase, and uh, it was ended on Waller and Divisadero Street. Somebody, somebody's life was taken on accident, which I wish never would have happened, yet it did, based on the fact that the officer did not give me a chance to stop the car and get out and run or get out and, and submit or and, and turn myself in because they kept shooting at the car that I was in. Um, I've been locked up in a state prison system for two decades now and some change. Um, I was illegally sentenced uh, as an adult. Uh, I suffered je double jeopardy uh, situation in court, whereas uh, my alleged co-defendant, Arvin Edwards, who had nothing to do with the crime, um, was released from the case because he had just turned 18 years old. By my recognizance, admitted to the crime that I was the actual person that was the driver of the vehicle. And... Um, Upon uh, the judge asked me what I wished to plea, I pled guilty to vehicular manslaughter, which was accepted in courts. Right after I pled guilty to vehicular manslaughter, um, I was illegally 707 and tried as an adult in the court system and retried all over again and forced to go through the courts, and which was wrong and illegal and unlawful. Uh, throughout all these years in prison, uh, you know, I've been taking care of the best care of myself. I miss my mom, my dad, and my community out there. A lot of my family members are still out there. Some have passed away, unfortunately. Uh, I've been blessed in here, you know, uh, since I've been locked up. I've I worked with the PNS uh, News Service, David and Ocencio, 
and Sammy Coase, and one that start the beat without that's connected to the beat within newsletter. Also, been working with Jack Omega with the Mega Boys and Girls Club. Those who know me from San Francisco Juvenile Hall back in the days in the nineties. So I'm one of the original street soldiers. To get out there, you know, and, and I'm all about changing us, doing better in our communities and uplifting our city to, to how we're supposed to. Being the fact that that's what was handed down to us since when we were little, and we didn't know too much about our city. You know, we had people that were older than us that came forward and helped pave the way so we can have the things that we do have. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. That God really never had to give any of us. So um, I'm just fighting to get back out there right now. Uh, no Senate Bill 261 passed on all the citizens legal for them to send to the juveniles into the dope system. However, unlike other states, that, that doesn't retroactively, as soon as you get passed into the court system, they don't just put out a list and start releasing us from jail like they're supposed to. So it's like a lot of us are just lingering in jail right now. That should have been home. And uh, it's taking a toll on me and my family because even the board, when I went to my youth offender board, which they finally gave me, they even admitted, they said, well, we believe that you, you'll be an asset to your community more so than being like us, but we're still going to deny you for five years because I had a fight on the yard. Which I have unfortunately had a, you know, I have a lengthy uh, uh, record of a lot of uh, physical altercations with certain people, whether it was their staff or inmates, based on the fact of the treatment and conditions in jail. And I'm just fighting to get home safely. I haven't caught any cases to where I have done anything to anybody that caused any, any serious harm or injury because I know my limitation as a Muslim. I'm not here to hurt anybody, I'm here to heal. So basically, that's kind of like how I've been living my life and it's behind these walls trying to get home to my family and, and I still write and, and send articles out and been working with the, you know, to, uh, really appreciate to have the San Francisco Bayview present where we can send articles to you guys out there and, you know, I uh, thank you for everything you've been doing out there since the new ground. I appreciate it. You know, the information that you send in through the Bayview, that helps us in here, gives some strength, you know, letting us know what's going on in our communities out there and, and what's on the ballot and, the, you know, from the politics to the people to the to the police. I mean, it's all, it's all intricately something that we need to know behind these walls so we can know what we have to face when we, once we get out of here or some of us that have solutions to fix some of those problems out there we can communicate with you guys effectively out there to actually make some change and make things happen because the thing that's been going on out there should be going on out there especially in 2022 when this government just took so many trillions of dollars from the United States Treasury to fix this country as well as other people willing to go out there and sacrifice their time and effort to donate food, clothes, time for education, et cetera, during a COVID-19 situation. You know, I, I really I really tip my hat and I salute everybody out there that's standing up for something righteous right now and going against everything that's unrighteous and, and trying to sit down and de deliberate with the right people to make things happen financially and, and just with the, with the manpower and woman power that's out there to actually create change in our communities. So, you know, I'm just hoping that it's a lot of good people that I'm around in here that are doing time, and we're ready to get out there. So I got a handful of people that's ready to get out there right now and have, have a lot of good ideas to put to bring to the table. Just needed some, some backing behind it and a little bit of finances and a lot of programs out there for our community. You know, I, I see I see, I see see the future looking real bright for all our communities out there. If everybody just hold on and keep faith and keep praying and just ask the Lord to remember us and remember his blessings for us down here. And, Know, bring his kingdom down here so we can receive the things that we need so we can have a, a peaceful life and, and obtain the paradise that we all should be striving for individually. Wow, it, that is so beautifully said. And I have to tell you, there are just moments sometimes, you know, where I, I feel, um, you know, a little, a little bit of, you know, dip in my sense of hope or, 
you know, things like that, because, uh, uh, but you're right. And, and I, I really commend you for being able to just stay up and stay positive and stay focused on, uh, your, you know, your goal of getting home, understanding that, um, you are unjustly, uh, caged and that you're right. We, we need you home. You guys have those solutions. You've been working on yourselves. We need you out here as a part of this community. There's a lot of, there is a lot of great work that is being done, um, as you can see and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded i'm also really glad that you're seeing that in the newspaper because that's that's part of it right this is a dialogue this should be this is a dialogue between all of us right um and thank you so much to oba for uh making your contributions for sure and um uh, and you know and that's the point and then the beautiful thing is just so you know too i i know you're saying it because um, the people that are coming home, um, are, they're doing amazing work in, in the community, uh, to, for reentry services, uh, really bringing their wisdom of, uh, what, you know, took place for them inside, um, not giving up their, 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 uh, you know, fight or, you know, understanding that, okay, there was some, there definitely this was, this was unjust, but more importantly, now I also, I need to get home. I am home. And what can I do to create a space for the other brothers and sisters that are coming behind me uh, to, like you said, build that, that peaceful space? I just um, uh, went to uh, the Oakland Museum and they, there's, a, there's a whole exhibit there that's been happening since December and it's going to end, I believe it's February 27th. So it's, you know, it's been a, it's going to be, a, it's a couple months and um, it's, it's all about, you know, building the, the, you know, black space, black time, uh, what it means to do uh, black world building to create those spaces for us to uh, be just loving up on and, um uh, you know, empowering one another so that we can, like you said, have that peaceful space. How do you do it though? How do you keep that, that hope up? And I'm really glad to hear that a lot of your family is still alive because 20, you know, 20 years, um, with your, your family being without each other is, is tough. How do you, how do you stay up? I mean, basically, um, before I even came to jail for one, I have a firm belief in the most high that created us all perfectly in his image, so I know what we're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, before I came to jail, I was a part of a lot of programs in my community from LEO Hush, the Ujima program, um, the Omega Boys and Girls Club, um, different, the Mission Street program. I was a, a part of a lot of stuff in the city during mm-hmm. the 90s when we had a lot of chaotic stuff going on. We had a lot of corruption going on. We had a corrupted police chief at the time they got fired out there. Then the brother that they instituted in when Willie Brown was in the office ended up getting killed. And he, that people remember he got rammed by the cops on his motorbike on the way home. And it was all on the news. They, they, they The police claimed that they didn't know that was him that they thought somebody stole his motorcycle. But this was all stuff that was going on because of a lot of corruption that was coming out. They didn't want a lot of the corrupt people to get exposed. Mm. So was a lot of things happened in the city where a lot of us that were young, that were rebellious, and that our families were trying to get a hold of that fire within us because we seen our friends get killed in stolen cars or get beat up and get their drugs planted on them that they mm. never had on them in the first place mm-hmm. and get locked up in jail. A lot of lives were being put on people. So because it was like an attack on the youth, a lot of young people from not just the Bay Area since I've been locked up, but even down in Los Angeles have been incarcerated from the age of 14 till now right. because they swept us all under the rug. 
and they, they thought that that was going to put a deter to crime, but it didn't, however. And it's like you never fix a problem by locking up kids and placing them in an adult facility where you were we were placed in an in environment where they weren't even trained to deal with us when coming into the adult correctional facility. They were trained to deal with adults, not children. Right. So we were denied the right to the youth authority, to educational programs. We were denied the right to vocational programs. We were denied the, the right to family visits with our with our with the women or girlfriends that we had, or young wives if we had wives or the mothers of our children, and, and just to have our families come see us. Just a lot of things we were denied being placed into this adult environment that did not have any love or, re, or any remorse or want to even have us in this beast. So we basically had to maneuver through the things that we've been through, and like. People look at us now like, well, you have 700 points and you have 800 points, which is a lot. But like, look, you had me in a level four prison all of my life. I've been locked up since the age of 14. What do you expect from me? Absolutely. I had to basically rehabilitate myself. And every time I, I've been to the hole, I've been shoot terms, being a disruptive inmate, five years, five years, four years here, Pelican Bay, Corcoran, Tehachapi, shoot. And every time it's because something happens that these people don't like. And it's like, I have educational certificates, parenting certificates. I have all my board requirements. I've taken my GD and passed that. I have uh, NAAA. Uh, I have uh, poetry, art. I have a, a, a whole uh, a certificate to preach the word of the Lord. I have so many different things that I've done that is that is showing that I have made change within myself and I am an asset not only to myself but to the community along with my beauty, my business, music, raps, books that I've written since I've been locked up which they all say, okay, yeah, that's true. You've done all these things but they still have me locked up here and they don't want to release me. And there's other people in here just like me that's multi-talented and ready to get out there and be an asset to the community. However, they still haven't just turned that key and let us walk out of here like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Knowing that it was a wrong being done. Now, technically, by law, once it was placed into the law books that to try a juvenile as an adult was illegal and everybody under the age of 23 years old because the brain doesn't develop until the age of 23 years old to be able to think like an adult, once that passed into law, all our cases became automatically void on a legal on a law spectrum. We, we're all unlawfully being incarcerated and illegally enslaved in prison right now. Okay. And under Penal Code 1487, number two and three, it states specifically whenever there's a due process of a law that has become either void or it was a benefit. You have 60 seconds remaining. They must automatically discharge us from custody because of these breaches of security within the due process rights of the legal system, which they still haven't even done. They haven't even t- taken the time to just send our cases back to the juvenile district and have them releases. So this has been this is just a travesty for a lot of us that have been juveniles locked up. And I pray to God, God bless everybody out there in the Bay Area and everywhere else. But I pray that we all get out of here safely. That's ready to get out there and make a change. And that's not having any plan to come back up in here. Because this is not my paradise. My paradise is out there with y'all in the city and my family. And that's what I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. God bless you, sister. You have a blessed night. And I pray for all y'all out there. Please let Miss Radcliffe and Willie know I send my love and respects. And everybody out there that's about positive change and productivity. All right, beautiful people, that is our show. Don't forget to visit the California Prison Focus website at prisons.org. And we will see you next week. Get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer.